My knee-jerk reaction was, how am I going to stay in business? I petitioned to New York State that we were supplying essential retailers like CVS and Walmart with school and office supplies and that who were going to remain open, that we need to stay open to supply them because now kids are doing virtual schooling and schooling at home. Parents are going to be working from home. They're going to need school supplies. Great idea, Josh. Way to pivot. Like, I was like, yes, this is just genius. This is great. Like, way to think on your feet as a salesperson, you know? And I filled out this form, you know, and petitioned to New York State on Friday night. Saturday morning, I get an email back from the state. Welcome to the Promo Kitchen Podcast. We are very excited to have Josh Goodelman, who is the president of Liquimart, talk with me, Kate Plummer, vice president of sales and marketing at Claremont, and our sous chef, Amanda Delaney. So welcome, Josh. Thanks for having me. Honestly, I'm honored. I love Promo Kitchen and everybody involved. We're excited to have you on because this is a continuation of our Growing Up promo series. And your story, someone was like, oh, you should talk to Josh. He's a cool guy. And we're like, okay, well, we'll double check on that first. But yeah, you might <laughs> want to check that. You might want to check that out. <laughs> you have an amazing story. So we want to dig in a lot deeper to what made your Growing Up promo story because you're part of family business, but you also have this unique take on what Growing Up promo really means because the business moved from retail to promo and back and all over the place. So why don't you start with laying the groundwork? How did you and your family get into this business? It's a great story. It's funny because I tell our story whenever I interview a potential new employee or candidate for any position in our company, whether it's in the shipping department, customer service, accounting, sales. I like to tell the story of how our company got started. This year, we'll celebrate 47 years in business. My dad started our company in 1974. I still try to figure out every day why he wanted to be in the pen business. Anyhow, how we ended up getting into the pen business was my parents got married and my grandfather, my mom's dad, owned a pen company in New York City. And New York City was the pen capital of the world. And he owned a company called the Royal Line. There was one pen. It looks similar to the Bic Click pen that has the metal band around the center. There was one pen. And it was used for the, you know, the ad specialty industry because nobody referred to it as promotional products back then. It was the ad specialties industry. And they made this one pen. They pumped out millions of these pens every week. It had a barrel that had a top half and a bottom half that was screwed together with threaded plastic with that little metal band in the middle. So you can choose the same exact pen, but you could have it all white or the top half white and the bottom blue or the top half white and the bottom of it red. And it had a metal clip on it. And I have all of the machines that make those pens sitting in a container in the back of my parking lot of our building property here, because we don't make those pens anymore. We made them here domestically. We made the little spring. We have a spring winding machine. Like we made all this. So my grandfather had this company. It was called the Royal Line. He wanted my dad to come work for him. And they sold retail and to the ad specialty industry. And my grandfather got approached by a competitor to buy his company. And he was in his 50s and early 50s. And my grandfather saw dollar signs. was like, yeah, I'm going to sell the place. See you later. I'm moving to Florida. And that's really what happened. And my father continued to work for this company. And he was selling retail. He was 24 years old. And he was selling retailers, which are now today known as you know Kmart and Walmart. And he had gone to visit on a sales call up in Michigan. 
to go see a customer and the buyer said to him, hey, Stu, I don't like the company that bought your company. I don't like doing business with them. Go start your own company. I'm going to give you your first order. And my father said, he's like, what are you out of mind? It's like, I just had my first child as my brother was just born. I'm the younger brother. And my wife, we don't have any money. How are we starting a company? You know, how am I going to start a company? He says, well, I'm going to give you your first order. It's going to be a million packs of coloring markers. I'm putting you into business. I don't like this company. Go start a company and figure it out. So he did. He figured it out. He actually got on a plane and flew to Italy. There was no China manufacturing back in the 70s that was making school supplies, writing instruments. And the other pen capital of the world outside of the US from New York was Italy. And in Italy, there were marker and pen manufacturers. He had done his research. There was no Google back in the 70s to Google it. He just knew people in the industry. And he got on a plane, flew to Italy, found a company that was manufacturing coloring markers and imported them from Italy and started Liquimark. And that's how he started and imported them from Italy. And our company started that way, selling retail. Now, my grandfather packed his bags, moved to Florida, <laughs> but he told my father, he said, whatever you do, just stay in retail, stay in retail, stay away from the promotional business. Those customers are a pain in the ass. They're going to call you collect. This is true. This really had, because in those <laughs> days, there were no 800 numbers. He said, those customers, they're going to call you collect. They're going to complain about everything you do. If you print one thing wrong, you're going to have to take it back and, and give them their money back. Stay in retail. Retail's where the business is. And my father, he was young. He was learning. He was in his 20s. He listened to the person who had a lot of experience. And he had been selling the, the ad specialty industry, my grandfather. So my father listened to him. Didn't get into the ad specialty. We supplied other suppliers. So a couple of years later, my father made the investment in building molds and buying assembly machines. And here we have a factory. And here, and part of the story I tell of when I interview people for a position, my head mechanic is 76 years old. He drives every day because our business started in Brooklyn and we started migrating further east out into the suburbs of Long Island over the years. He lives in New Jersey and he drives about 55 miles every day to work each way. And he drives every day from New Jersey here to this factory. A hundred feet from where I'm sitting, we have a whole factory. And my head mechanic is 76 years old and he is the longest tenured employee. And he drives here every day. He knows those machines in and out. My father had made investments in machines after being in business for a year and molds and a mechanic because now that we had machines and he wasn't strictly an importer, which only lasted a year because now we were in business. So that's it. Our business thrived in selling retailers, CVS, Walmart, Target, Staples, and the commercial school and office products industry with distributors on that side of the business that sell to school districts. And we always supplied other suppliers because we are a USA-made manufacturer writing instrument. So pens, markers, highlighters, dry erase markers. And we would supply other suppliers in the promo industry, just a bulk blank non-printed pen and let them deal with this. They did the printing and dealt with the distributors. And we did that for a long time. It wasn't a tremendous part of our business. And back in 2004, the industry was changing. We were moving out of a building we rented because the landlord we were renting our building from here on Long Island wanted his building back. We were in the process of buying a building where we are now. This was now 16 years ago. And the economy was different. And my father decided 
And he said, I think we should get into this promotional business. I know your grandfather told me I should never get into this business. And these customers are paying me ass and they're going to call you collect and whatever it is. He called me into his office, my brother and I, and said, I'm going to go to Atlantic City next week. And I'm like, what do you go to Atlantic City for? <laughs> now, mind you, my father also really liked the game. <laughs> but that's another story for another day. He said, there's a show. It's the Sagney show. And I want to learn more about the industry and understand the industry better. We're getting into this industry somehow. And I'm going to go to this show. And he did. He drove to Atlantic City, which wasn't far from us. And he spent a night there gambling, of course, but then walking a show for two days and talking to people, educating himself, seeing what was out there and how the industry from a trade show standpoint functioned. Came back and said, we're definitely getting into this business. There's an ASI show in Chicago next month. You and your brother need to get on a plane, go walk that show, learn more about it. I'm putting together product catalog. We're going to figure it out. We had the product. We had the printing capabilities because we printed markers and pens for retail. We just had to sell the same product in a whole different way. So my brother and I went, we went to the ASI Chicago show in 2004. We walked trade show floor, you know, and it was like, it's stuff with logos on it. I wasn't blown away. I mean, I'm being honest with you. I mean, you want me to lie? I wasn't blown away. Like, oh my gosh, we need to be in this business. Like, you know, I was like, yeah, there's an opportunity here. Our cost to enter this business was very minimal. So we did the research and we imported some additional product to round out our product line. In addition to what we made here domestically, we hired a national sales manager. And, you know, next thing I knew, come January, my father, myself, and this guy who we just hired, who we didn't know anything about, were in Las Vegas, January 3rd, setting up a trade show booth. And next thing you know, there were all these little old ladies driving around carts and pouring buckets of marker samples into their carts. And we're like, what are you going to do with 400 permanent markers? You know, like, you know, it's a lot of freebies and like, you know, we didn't know anything, you know, and we got our first purchase order and we framed the silk stream. Like this was our first PO and here we are in the promotional products business. And the thing about us was that people thought we were crazy because you're going to sell more pens. You're entering the most competitive category in promotional products. You're going to sell more pens. There's so many pen people. And my answer to that and to this day, I mean, I want you to buy pens from me and we have great pens, but the writing instrument category is more than just pens. It's highlighters, it's mechanical pencils, it's dry erase markers, it's crayons. And the other value we added, we are teaching the industry is, is that we're a retail company. We make retail packaging. Okay. We can take your promotional product, package it in a retail package that tells a whole other story, which adds more value, that's more compelling to the end user client and their audience for marketing purposes. We can take four highlighters and put them in a package with printed packaging that goes along with it, not just printing the highlighter. That's something no one else is doing. Not only that, half our product line is made in the USA. And we had very minimal competition. and. In the first, I want to say, three years, we started building molds for other products, for stylus pens, for our great little crayon wheel, which most people recognize Liquimark for, because it won the Writing Instrument Design Award from ASI. And people are like, a crayon won a Writing Instrument Design Award? It was the first time a pen didn't win, you know? So we won that award several times in the crayon category. So we became this five-star supplier almost like overnight because we had category, we had product. And it was just great. And that's how I grew up in promo, how I started to grow up in promo. 
And within the first year, the first sales manager we hired didn't work out. It was tough to sell just pens when you were nobody. We were starting it with nothing. We had no sales in this industry. And it was challenging. It was a challenging sale to go into a distributor. I remember first starting out and doing all these trade shows. Then we hired another salesperson. And I remember being at the SAC show and I came back and Ron Ball, who's no longer with us, who I love dearly, he was one of our mentors. He was our salesperson at ASI, but he taught us and he introduced me and my father and our company to so many people in the business, both on the supplier and distributor side, who I learned so much from to become who we are today in promo. And I remember he called me. I had hired now. I, had, I was on my second sales manager. I'm still learning the business in like the first year and a half. I went to the SAC show. Sales manager had asked me, can I stay for some education? The show ended on a Thursday. There was some more education on Friday. So he claimed. I mean, he's like, can I stay? And I said, sure, of course. I'm always supportive of that. I flew home on a red eye. Friday morning, I get a phone call in the office. I'm half asleep from that red eye flight. It was Ron Ball. And he said to me, he said, look, you got to get rid of this guy who's working for you. I said, why? What happened? He said, you know, he must have been, you know, taking a break from the booth and he was walking around. You guys were wearing Liquimark embroidered shirts on and he was wearing a distributor badge and he was walking around the show floor as a distributor, but he works for you as a supplier and that's not allowed. And he said, did you know that? I said, I didn't know that. I had no idea. And he says, you're not going to make a great name for yourself in the industry. So Monday morning, the guy walked into the office and I fired him. I had to let him go. And he looked at me and said, why are you letting me go? I said, because it came to my attention that you secretly own a distributorship on the side and I'm building a business and I have 50 employees here and I'm not going to jeopardize something that you know very well is not kosher in the industry. It's looked down upon and I'm not going to put ourselves in that position. And you have to realize that I have people working here a long time. You can work for us for the rest of your life. Just don't lie and treat people with respect. And you lied. You know that what you're doing is wrong for the industry and the future of yourself and our company in this promotional products industry. It's not going to work. And that was it. And then I realized that I needed to take on that role. I got it. I'll figure this out. I, I'm not going to hire somebody. And I learned there's so many family-owned businesses where the owners were so involved in the promotional side of the business. And from that point forward, that's what I did. You know, It was me. I did it all. I did every single trade show. I traveled like a maniac. I did it all in the sense of I was driving the bus. I didn't hire somebody with promotional products experience to then teach me how to do it. I learned how to do it along the way from other suppliers and distributors who have now become family to me. And that's just how it is. And that's what I think growing up promo, when you say that, I was thinking about it. what does it mean to grow up promo? And I think it's more than, yes, my family is involved in this business and we started this business and we're a supplier. And there are so many distributors and suppliers that are family-owned businesses that dominate our industry. But it's not just our family and our company that's a family. I think our entire industry is a big dysfunctional family, but we all love each other and we all look out for each other and we're all excited to see each other when we are in a time when we can be you know, at a trade show or a sales call and we enjoy each other and we've helped each other grow our businesses. And that's, I think, like one of the most amazing parts of growing up in the promotion industry is that I've met some of the most amazing people, people who I've been at their family functions. I've been at their kids' weddings or their weddings. I've had dinner at their homes. I've stayed at their homes. They've stayed at my home. And 
I think that's what's so nice about our industry. And I like to believe that there are other industries out there that are similar to ours, but I think we're the best industry. We're the best. <laughs> we're the best. This real like value, love, and appreciation for the people we do business with. I truly believe that. And I see that. I remember I took the reins of, you know, okay, I'm like a year and a half into this business. We don't do any business and I got to figure this out. What did I do? I opened up the Counselor Magazine top 40 distributors and I'm like, okay, I'll just call all these people. <laughs> So I remember, and I tell the story a lot. Some of you might know Debbie Abrigel from Jack Nadell. And Jack Nadell was on the list as one of the top 40 distributors. And I remember picking up the phone, calling and like just getting her voicemail, getting her voicemail, getting her voicemail, leaving messages and like not hearing back. And then one day she finally answered the phone. I like to call myself politely persistent. Um, <laughs> and she answers the phone. Hi, this is Debbie. I said, hi, Debbie. My name is Josh Goodman. I'm calling from Liquidmark. We're a new supplier in the promotional products industry. We make writing instruments, pens, markers, highlighters. We'd like to become a preferred supplier to Jack Nadell. You and everybody else, click, hangs up. <laughs> oh, okay, then. To this day, we are the closest of friends. I am a preferred supplier to Jack Nadell. But yeah, I got hung up on, you know, I mean, me and everybody else. I wasn't the only person selling pens. You know, and the other part of the categories were what made us different, but it took a lot to get their attention, to earn their respect, to understand and teach them that we're not just another pen company or another pen supplier. But the other part of it is that I was invited to her wedding, you know, and that's the beauty of growing up promo, learning an industry I knew nothing about. I grew up meeting people I never met in my life. And I'm so beyond grateful for that I met and People ask me all the time, so, you know, I know you sell Walmart and you sell Target and you sell all these other, you know, major Fortune 500 company retailers, and then you're in the promotional products business. What do you like better? And the truth is, it is rewarding to get on a plane and fly to Arkansas and sit with your buyer at Walmart and come up with a product and have them say yes, and you're a supplier. Yes, it is. It's very rewarding. But I love the promotional products industry. It's so much more rewarding. The audience you have to hear your creativity is so receptive as opposed to selling retail, which they are in our category of school and arts office supplies. They're receptive to some creativity, but it's more number crunching than anything else. And on the promo side, I can come up with a way to package a set of pens and show a distributor whose client is Tesla and they're blown away with what we just did for them you know, for a giveaway they want to do for launching something or to have a recruiting event or whatever it may be. And seeing that come to life to me is more rewarding. And it's been fun. And now here we are. I'm still trying to figure out why we got into the pen business. And we're doing it through a pandemic. And I'm really proud of what we've accomplished. I'm proud and grateful for the relationships and the people that I've met. And that's kind of my grown-up promo story. And just so you know, I still haven't grown up yet. I'm not growing up. I got a long way to go to grow up in general and even in this industry. But I like truly value and respect everybody who helped and taught me along the way and was there alongside for the ride because it's totally been a wild ride and it's really great and I love it. And I can't wait to see what post-pandemic promo looks like. I think I just came up with something, post-pandemic promo. Let's trademark that. That's yeah. Josh Goodleman, Liquimark, Kate Plummer, Claremont. <laughs> you know, we'll put a TM at the end of it. It's yeah, all you got to put a TM, a copyright, and an R symbol. Just put it yeah. all. We don't really need to have them like copyright, right? We can just print them and it's fine. Nobody will know the difference. Yeah, yeah it's fine. Got it.
I love this story because I'm so curious because you talk about like growing up promo and where you just kind of were cold calling, like you just flip through a magazine and you're like, I did. It was like, here, I have one on my desk. I was like, let's go through the, oh, this is Councilor Magazine. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) top 40. It's like, we all know now, and Josh, you definitely know now, the top 40, like that's your Performa, your Geiger, you know, your Jack Nadell. So you're not just calling one. You're like, oh, who are these Jack Nadell guys? Who are these Performa guys? Now, you know, a bunch of different franchises and offices and a cumulative that's there. So when you were saying that, I was laughing out loud to myself. Could I please speak to Jack, please? Yeah. <laughs> Jack Nadell. Yeah. I want to talk to him. Yes. I want to talk to the top. <laughs> but in that case, like, you didn't go from being politely persistent and being hung up on to invited to their wedding. Like, what helped your learning curve on promo? What advice were you given? What guidance? What mistakes did you make, too? It's a great question. I think I really was... Truthfully, I mean, I mean, I think about it when you're asking me, like, I have a million things going through my head. I've always given Ron Ball, you know, we used to go to these dinners and all the shows together. And we used to call them Ron Ball bar mitzvahs because it was like 30 people. It was like a big party. But he had just an incredible group of distributors and suppliers together. And he really knew how to introduce you and network you with great people. But it wasn't just them that you ended up doing business with. Then they would introduce you to people. And I remember Paula Shulman from Prime. I connected with them, you know, on a personal level. And I mean, I guess they liked me. They talked to me. It's not like they ignored me, you know, (laughs) and I liked them genuinely. And, you know, Paula Shulman from Prime once pulled me aside and she said, look, you know, I see you're new. And Prime is this huge company. I mean, I was nobody. I mean, they'd sold everything. They sold so many different categories, including pens. Remember one of the pieces of advice she gave me was, you know, you have these multi-line reps and multi-line reps are great, but at some point you're going to end up growing your business where you're still going to have multi-line reps, perhaps in certain territories, but you're going to find, you're going to have to pick one territory and convert it to a factory rep. That's just going to be solely a Liquimark employee. And, you know, you might even convert your multi-line rep and give them the opportunity to become that direct employee, you know, but you're going to have to pick this territory. And I still remember that that advice was so solid. And I I learned that from a supplier. One of the people to this day, I call even when I'm in the process of creating a new product or building a new mold, I'll call Debbie from Jack Nadell because I think that her opinion of product development, marketing, her ability, she's one of the most talented people I've ever met in this industry and in, in general in life I've ever met. I still call her. I'll text her at 11 o'clock at night. What do you think of this? And she'll write me back. And I think that those are things that I learned along the way is just developing those relationships. Developing those relationships helped me get there and hopefully have shown I had credibility. You know, I'm the guy who gets the job done. So they know that they can recommend me comfortably. Mistakes I've made along the way. Yeah. How much time you have? (laughs) I don't think business is a perfect science at all. And I say it all the time in our industry as a supplier from a marketing standpoint, you know, we can advertise in all the different industry search engines, ASI, ESP, Sage, Distributor Central, we're part of Common SKU, we're doing all these different things. And you just throw a ton of this stuff against the wall. See, I didn't curse. You throw a ton of this stuff against the wall and some of it's going to stick. I was told I have to watch my mouth. So <laughs> I don't have a potty mouth on these podcasts. Johanna will be so proud. But the reality is, is that, and some of it is quantifiable. 
data-wise. And a lot of it's not. A couple of weeks ago, I did a mailing to a distributor. We did it to about 50 of their top sales reps. And I had a handwritten letter that I wrote in every one of them. And we sent a sample kit to their homes. They provided us at their own free will. They, they opted in their home addresses. <laughs> and it was a new product sample kit. And I wanted to get in their hands. And I still believe that sending a handwritten note is something I appreciate when I get it. I still send handwritten thank you notes. I don't just say, if somebody sends me a gift for my birthday or for whatever reason, I send a handwritten note. Yeah, I still send it. I send a text too, but I think it just means a lot. And I think that along the way of the 50 people, maybe five of them really appreciated that I sent them a handwritten note and the other 45, it didn't phase them. To me, that's what mattered. It meant something to me. And I think that it's more compelling and that that's going to make sure that I'm memorable and make sure that my company, Liquimark, is memorable and make sure that they remember that effort that we made and I made on behalf of my company, the reason why they want to do business with us. Could it have been a mistake? I think about it that way. Was it not good use of time? Could some of the advertising we've done been a mistake over time and not worked out too well? Have I spent money and product development on product that never sold? Of course. Yeah. Would I call them mistakes? I mean, I would maybe subcategorize them as mistakes, but they're it's all a learning curve. You know, I mean, I think that it's every day we're still trying to figure it out. You know, I mean, now we're in this pandemic world, right? Of trying to figure out if the industry's down 30% and how do we evolve? You know, I didn't go into making masks. You know, I make pens and writing instruments and I'm not knocking anybody who pivoted to supplying product. I didn't have the capability machine-wise to do that, to make that product. And we focused on remarketing ourselves. We remarketed pens for an election because we're in this mindset, people didn't want to touch something that was commonly used. And this marketing worked because we sold millions of pens during a pandemic when sales are down 30% in the industry to government agencies who were handing them out single-use pens to use in a voting environment. So we pivoted in that way. And I think that it's still a learning curve. Like I said, business is not a perfect science. I'm just grateful every day to learn from people like you guys, everyone in our industry, our customers, fellow suppliers. We learn from each other, our employees, being creative and listening to people and taking chances. It's all chance. You know, everything, it's all chance. And I don't know, hopefully everybody comes out on top. Exactly. And how have you guys been handling the pandemic? What did you have to go through? And are you optimistic about the next few steps? Or where do you think what's next besides trademarking post-promo? <laughs> I'm hoping that's my meal ticket to move to Florida forever. <laughs> Our yeah. meal ticket, Josh. I know. We're, we're all living in the same house together. We got it. We're, we figured that out. We're all living together in one. We're all one big, happy, dysfunctional family. I'm going to cook for everybody. It's good. Got it. I'm the chef. Done. Our pandemic story, we closed. This pandemic happened and New York State said on March 19th, it was a Friday, you had to close. And my knee-jerk reaction was, oh my God, we're going to be out of business. How do we close? We don't ship. There's no revenue coming in. I think for everyone in life in general, it clearly was a new challenge everybody had to figure out. You know, I mean, we run for toilet paper and, and now we're going to figure out how we're going to ship promotional products, <laughs> you know, the two most important things in life. So 
my knee-jerk reaction was, how am I going to stay in business? I petitioned to New York State that we were supplying essential retailers like CVS and Walmart with school and office supplies and that who were going to remain open, that we need to stay open to supply them because now kids are doing virtual schooling and schooling at home. Parents are going to be working from home. They're going to need school supplies. Great idea, Josh. Way to pivot. Like, I was like, yes, this is just genius. This is great. Like, way to think on your feet as a salesperson. You know? <laughs> and I filled out this form, you know, and petitioned to New York State on Friday night. Saturday morning, I get an email back from the state that says, sorry, your request has been denied. You have to remain closed. An hour later, I got another email from New York State saying, your request is approved to remain open as an essential supplier for the function of shipping only. So I'm like, this is great. This is awesome. (laughs) Obviously, someone else read the email over there. And whoever made the wrong decision on our behalf, someone else made the right decision. Like there was too many hands in the pot upstate New York. I'm like, this is great because we had a lot of inventory on the retail side in stock that's planned to ship, you know, every week. So then I petitioned back to New York State, you know, you can resubmit. And I was communicating with them, said, look, I looked at our inventory. I saw that we had product that needed to get packaged. You know, we do manufacturing here from start to finish. We injection mold plastic parts. We make ink, we assemble, we print, we package, we ship all from this facility. It's a blend of product that's made physically start to finish that's made in the USA and product that's made in our factory overseas that's then warehoused and either another manufacturing process is performed or distributed from this facility. And I looked at our inventory and said, look, I have all these open orders for retailers. I have the stock. I, you know, we, we just need to package. We need to finish boxing up those markers and pens or packaging them up. So I petitioned that to New York State and they granted us the ability to package and ship. We were not allowed to manufacture. I was not allowed to make ink. I was not allowed to assemble. I was not allowed to print. And this was now Saturday night, Sunday, I'm on the phone with all my managers, my whole management team. We put a small crew of people together to come in Monday to finish packaging. And all the while, you're watching the news and this whole thing is getting worse. Nobody knows enough about this virus. And you know people should stay away from each other so nobody gets sick. So Sunday night at 11 o'clock, I'm laying in bed. I can't sleep. I'm thinking to myself, what's the point? Why am I bringing people in to package? Why am I bringing people in and keeping them close to each other? You know, when we haven't had the chance to reset up our infrastructure to keep people six feet apart in our assembly lines, that's one of the biggest challenges most manufacturers had, you know, especially when you're using people, you know, and people are part performing a function in a workstation. We haven't even gotten there yet. This pandemic just started five minutes ago, right? And I made the decision that night. I said, you know what? Cancel it. We're not bringing anybody in. I want to keep everybody safe. We're going to bring two people in our shipping department in. They're going to be 100 feet apart from each other. We're going to schedule trucks. They're going to load up trucks. We're going to ship whatever inventory we have based upon shipments we have scheduled. And we'll have to figure this out. And we did. And we were closed for six weeks. I was able to facilitate a lot of retail orders that get made in our factory overseas and readjust them instead of coming here and then distributing out to retailers. We shipped them directly from our factory in China directly to the retailer. So we were able to keep a revenue stream that way. Promotional products was the same. We were printing product in our factory overseas and customers were accepting a little bit longer lead time and shipping by air and then shipping directly that way. We learned how to obtain a PPP loan which was helpful. And then we were able to open up 
in full. And, you know, it gave us that time to reset up our infrastructure, come up with protocols for safety. And we're here every day. And my employees, our entire team, they're all heroes, as far as I'm concerned. Everybody's a hero because they physically come here every day. People are scared. You know, I have my mask. I sit in my office, I have my mask. The second I walk out, before I even walk out, my mask is on, before I go out into the rest of the office space or out into our factory production facility. Everybody's good. They're respectful about it. And we're doing the best we can, you know? And I think the silver lining too was I found myself on FaceTime calls with customers, distributors, just checking in on them. You know, people I know that might have been a little isolated. You know, I knew it meant a lot. It was nice to connect with them, but check on them. And I think we all grew, even though we've been all more distant, we I think we all grew closer, not just in our industry, just in life in general. And I think that you know, that was definitely part of, you know, our pandemic story. Business is still down. It's still down in promo, respective to how the industry is down to the same average. I think I see the light at the end of the tunnel. I feel good about it. I'm always cautiously optimistic with everything in life. I'm always a glass full kind of guy. And I think that it's going to be a tough six months still for everybody in every category of life, right? Not just work, not just promotional products. There's still so many unknown variables, but I still believe truly that our industry is going to make an incredible comeback. Businesses are going to need to remarket themselves. There's going to be new businesses out there. There's going to be businesses who've been struggling that are going to want to remarket themselves. And promotional products is proof to that type of success. So hopefully we see that as an industry. And, you know, I'm have my fingers crossed. I love what you said about just so many different moments as you're kind of telling us your story, because this is obviously the first time hearing of it, which is, it's such a cool story. I've been saying to, you know, distributors and other supplier friends, everybody's had to get more intentional with their branding, right? Like, I think that's one big thing that's come out of this pandemic, as far as our industry goes in general, is we've had to be more intentional. How can we sell to our customers without quote unquote selling? How can we, you know, really make them see that the promotional products, like they're trying to sell their clients are meaningful. You know what I mean? And everything that you said just backs up that whole kind of thought process. The handwritten thank you cards that you send out, I think it goes a long ways. The fact that you pulled somebody in and said, hey, you're selling direct. I don't even really know what that means in our industry yet, but I know it's not good. And that's not what I want to do with my company and the name I'm making for myself. So then that was like a scary moment. I mean, we we were only in the business for five minutes and that was 15 years ago. And I said, no, I put the kibosh on that one. And how do you know it's not another supplier just trying to like tell you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but it came from a credible source that I trusted, you know, those days I had to rely on people that have been doing this a lot longer than me. And I welcomed the fact that I'm the first to raise my hand and say, I don't know, you know, I, I don't have experience in this. And you know, and I want to trust that I'm being guided the right way. And it was, I was guided the right way. And I had to let that person go. And maybe that was, yes, like what mistakes I mean, maybe I made a mistake not knowing that, you know, and making that choice in the wrong person. But those were real life experiences on how to run this segment of our business, you know, and uh, now I kind of laugh about it. I was like, I can't believe that even happened. Really? That guy, had a guy, that guy really took a risk there. Yeah, it doesn't fly, you know? A little ballsy of them, not going to lie. Yeah, totally. And that's the relationship aspect of our industry, right? I think why we all love it so much. What I've been hearing more and more been happening is the community over competition, collaboration over competition, anything along those lines. And I love that. Some of the best advice that I've gotten in my entire life has been from, you know, direct quote, unquote, 
competitors. And that's kind of how they grow. And I think that's what makes our industry so resilient. I did it two weeks ago. I had somebody come to me for a product that I could have made. I could have made it. I've made them before. It's a product that we don't stock that we can make in our factory overseas. But I knew another supplier that makes the product domestically here. And they're a competitor to me. And I picked up the phone and called them directly. I said, look, I just sent your information to this distributor. You're going to get a phone call. This is a really big project. You're better off getting it done than I am. And I know that I brought the distributor credibility by telling them, hey, call this guy and they'll make it happen. And I am somewhat of a believer in karma. You know, I try to do the right thing by everybody all the time. And I felt that's the right thing to do. And if it comes back, great. You know, and I think that those relationships, even amongst competition, especially in the promotional products industry, are really strong. We all have them. We've all done it. We'll all keep doing it again. I don't think that we have this sports type of mind where we're really battling each other to win from a competition standpoint. I think everybody in this industry wants to see everybody thrive. Nobody wants to see anybody fail. And to your point, I probably had more advice and referrals come from competitors than anywhere else. And our business has grown that way and building those relationships with the distributor base. It's awesome. Yeah. And, it, and it's so nice. And we'll sort of end on that note of growing up promo is about who you're growing up with. And you manage to build these relationships and trust them and foster them. And you probably still have that ability to call up your competitors and your helpers and just sort of say, what do I do in this case? Which you do. And I do. And I get the same calls in return. You know, I'm grateful that I have that level of credibility with people and vice versa. So I can do it. It's great. And I earned it. It Post-pandemic promo. (laughs) You won't tell everybody yet. Yeah. I'm buying buying the domain right now. Yeah. (laughs) Josh at (laughs) postpandemicpromo.com. My real email address, everybody. (laughs) <laughs> that's wonderful and thank you for sharing your story this way is thanks for having me wasn't I just enjoyed it yeah it wasn't just family that brought you here it was everyone else along the way so like i said we're just one big dysfunctional promo family we're <laughs> promo together guys we're not going anywhere exactly thanks again for listening to this edition of the promo kitchen podcast If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can always get involved in the Promo Kitchen community by visiting us at promokitchen.org. You can also show your support by donating to our cause at promokitchen.org slash donate. We would sincerely appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you.